0: Hi, good morning, church. It's so good to be with you. You know, when Pastor Tim was, uh, you know, uh, introducing me, I was like, uh, I was conf- I know I have to confess. I was enjoying a, a, a bit, a little bit, right? So, yeah, my name is Melvin, and it's so good to be with you. Uh, and if you think that uh, I'm vaguely familiar, it was because previously I was serving in this church and I was doing some hosting. So, Nelson, Pastor Tim has great plans for you. Just saying. All right, so um, I really thank Pastor Tim for, you know, his leadership as well as um, trust and faith uh, to allow me to speak on this uh, uh, pulpit and, and I'm, I'm really, really thank- thankful for Pastor Tim, you know, he's very gracious and, and he has taught us many things and he's somebody that I would want to emulate, uh, you know, if there's someone I want, to, I want to emulate at the marketplace, he's one of the person that I really want to uh, emulate. So I just want to introduce my family to you. All right. So normally, in most places, I am known as Felicia's husband. Uh, That's my wife, Felicia, and uh, I have two kids. Uh, One is Elijah and the other one is Ilion. One is five, and the other is two, and they are wonderful. They are such, I don't know how they have so much energy, but they are wonderful, right? And today, we want to continue our series in A Good Fight in the Marketplace, and it has four parts. Last week, Pastor Team did godliness versus godlessness. Today, we're going to talk about grace versus grudge. And the following two weeks would be generosity versus greed and gospel versus glory, right? So this is the second week. And if you're a student and if you're a housewife, right, this is very much related to you as well. Don't switch off, please, because, you know, Marketplace, we kind of like broadly call it a series or broadly define it as anything outside of the church walls, right? And basically, if you look at marketplace, it's basically where commerce happens. And all of us, right, whether you're a student, whether you're a housewife, we are in the marketplace. I mean, if you're a student, these days, education is very much a marketplace, right? You pay for the services. And if you're a housewife, you are probably in one of the toughest marketplaces. Right? My wife asked me to say this. Because, you know, you have OT every day, right? You're on OT over time. There's no sick leave. And worse still, your colleagues are always with you. <laughs> There's no escaping your, your colleagues. So this is an important series. And, and, we, and I just want to share right, why it is important for all of us. Because we spend 50 to 70% of our waking hours at the marketplace. Whether you sleep six hours or eight hours, we spend 50 to 70% at the marketplace. That's a huge chunk of our lives. And if you look at the Bible, there are, you know, cases after cases, incidents after incidents where God meet people, the heroes in the Bible, at the marketplace. I mean, there was a story of a CEO or a vice president, right, that was that has misconduct in his multinational corporation, and he has to flee. And basically, and then he, you know, to survive, he did odd jobs to survive. And then while he was doing odd jobs, God met him in his marketplace, and that person is none other than. And then if you look at the New Testament, there was an entrepreneur of the textile industry that supplies to the Zara and the H&M. And then God met her at the marketplace. And then she became a pillar for the church. And her her name is none other than Lydia. And if you are a student, there was a student in the Bible that, you know, because of PTPTN loan, has to serve the PTN. So God bonded. And then, you know, he, he served in the Amazon of those days. Big corporation, right? And then eventually God, he has to navigate through the politics and then God used him to be an advisor to Jeff Bezos. How many of you want to be an advisor to Jeff Bezos? Or oh, you don't know who that is, right? The CEO of Amazon, right? So, and he became the, 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 what do you call that? The advisor. And he's none other than Daniel. So if you look at the Bible, God used people like you and I in the marketplace and not just to change our lives, but to transform the marketplace. So this is very much important for us. There's no sacred where it's just church and then outside is circular, you know. It's like, oh, you know, God is not there. But God is there through us, right? Amen? Alright, so that's why it's so important that we um, know this series and we take this and we uh, apply this in our lives. Okay, so um, the anchor verse is, I have fought the good fight and I have finished the race and I've kept the faith. Now, because a large chunk of our lives are spent in the marketplace, that's why we want to fight a good fight. And when we look back, when we retire eventually, and then when we look back, we say that we have fought a good fight because God is with us, right? So it's important to shift our paradigm. It's a, it's a paradigm shift, really. I mean, when I, was, when I graduated, just, just to share, when I graduated, I wanted to... I didn't want to work for Petronas. I was bonded, I, but I didn't want to... I, you know, I'm grateful, right? I'm really grateful that I got the scholarship. I'm bonded, but... I didn't really want to continue. I don't want to start working. If you know what I mean. I, I encountered the Lord during my uni days, and I thought, you know, I wanna I wanna spend my life serving the Lord. So I thought, you know, you know, I if my company decided not to take me, I wanna study something else. Either I don't know philosophy, theology, and then probably go full time. That was my thought. And then eventually I got my letter. I was like, oh, okay, I was okay like Wherever God sent me, and then I was posted to Sabah. Furthest away from, I'm from Penang, and, uh, and all the Penangites say we have a few Penangites up, up here, right? So, and I was posted over there, and then eventually I was in Skyline, and in Skyline, that was when I realized, and, and God, through Pastor Philip, taught us that, you know, there is no sacred and circular divide. You know, that God is as interested in my workplace as He's interested in church. And I can serve in my workplace and not just at church, you know. I mean, how many of us here, right? So there are like easily, what, 600? 600, 600 plus minus? How, how can all of us be an usher? We can't. How, if all of us would be on stage and become worship leaders, there would be chaos, right? Especially, you know, some of us, probably like me, you know, can't sing hidden talent. The more hidden, the better. But, you know, If all of us have this shift in paradigm that we can actually serve in our marketplace, it changes things, right? So, and then we can bring the kingdom of God in our marketplace, right? So, just to share my uh, quick background, just to share a quick background, as Pastor Tim said, I work for an energy company and I've worked 16 years there. You know, uh, I know I look quite young. I started work probably 10 years old, so this year I'm 26, yeah, 16 years. And for 16 years, I've served under a few, quite a number of bosses, I would say, and some are great bosses, right? And they help nurture my skills, right? And they inspire me in the sense of who I could be at the workplace. But there are some bosses who are really tough. Just to share with you, I I had a boss when, I think I was in my second year in, in the company, just, just a disclaimer, right? Not all bosses in my company is like that, okay? So, just a disclaimer in case my employee, employer hears this message, right? So, but I, I had a boss that was from, he, he's a, a, foreign, from a foreign country. He came over and it was tough, right? He was the new HOD. Just to share how tough it was, under him, he would scold a grown man and a grown man would cry. Right? I've seen four grown men crying in front of him, which eventually left. Under him, my supervisor, so we have one HOD and four section heads, so I'm one of the section. My section head had a heart attack. And I'm not complaining about it. I'm just trying to paint a picture of how tough it was. And, and during those days, I remember it was, the, the, the department was so toxic, right? And, and he demands everything to be done his way. If you don't do it his way, it's the highway. Right? If you're not for him, if you don't, you know, back him up in what he wants to do, that means you are against him. And there's no such thing as feedback. So I remember when, when I would, there was a period when I woke up, I would touch my head. Oh yeah, no fever today, I have to work. No, no, I, I'm serious. It was that bad. I, I was afraid, I was afraid to go to work. And to, just to spite my, my superior, he said, Melvin, you report to me don't report to your boss, report to me. So I was caught in a very difficult place where, you know, my superior thought that, you know, I tried to talk bad behind him and all that. So he was suspicious of me. But my HOD did it out of spite. And there was a lot of grudge growing in the, in, in the, in the workplace. And, and that is the workplace. So how many of you can identify what I, what, what I just said? Right? You can identify with that. And I believe we face difficult situations in varying degree. So actually, how do we navigate the whole area of, you know, grudge? The whole area of how do you show, how do you show grace to a boss like that? Right? And, and if there's anything, you pray that God, that you will show him justice, you show him your might, right? How many of you would pray for grace for bosses like that? No? Um, I, I remember... Through the grace of God, really through the grace of God, I, I remember I was just re- just trying to recollect back what happened in those days, right? So I, I just remember that, you know, in those days, I didn't feel much grace for him really. I, but I don't hate him. I felt dread. Maybe a bit of anger sometimes when I feel that he mistreated my friends, my colleagues. But he has never mistreated me. That was grace on my life. And um, I remember that, because at that time, I remember it was also a marketplace series that in, 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 in Skyline at that time, and I remember that you know, one of my cell leader said this to me, you know, in, 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 at workplace, you can disagree, but you can't disobey. Of course, this is a caveat that, you know, you're not doing anything illegal and all that. So there's the whole part about honoring your leader and, and submitting to your leader at the workplace. So I did just that, right? And God, through His grace, He allowed me to, to speak into His life. In one of the nights when I was working late, it was about 11 something at night, and He demands that, right? So if you go back, five something is considered early, right? So, and, and there was a lot of work and it was coming audit, so I, I, I was one of the last few, and then He was there and He saw me, He caught me into His room. I dread going into his room, right? Because there has been moments where he calls into his, in, into his room, he will scold us for an hour, and then we come out, we're like, huh, what happened, I don't know. <laughs> but he called me into his room at about 11-something at night, and he asked me for feedback, and I was like, whoa, is this, is this a trap? Like, but I gave him feedback, I gave him honest feedback, and I said that, be a bit kinder to the colleagues. So, I, I can't really recall what I said exactly to him, but I recall this. He told me, I have no friends. How many of your bosses would tell you that? I have no friends, right? But that was grace, and, and, and through that, I mean, if he stands in front of me now, I, I don't feel grudge, I can shake his hand, I can still look him in the eye, but that was grace, right? Now, how many of you want to have that kind of grace at your workplace, right? Yeah, and, and that kind of grace only God give us that kind of grace right so let's look at our passage today how do we navigate against gra- grace and grudge right so can we read this together ready one two three so as those who have been chosen of god holy and beloved put on okay let's repeat that ready one to go put on a heart of compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so you must do also. In addition to all those things, put on love, which is perfect bond of unity. Now, it's just, just a couple of thoughts when, when, uh, when I read, read this, is just the whole word on put on, right? This is active. So when Paul says put on, how many of you know that this is a deliberate act? Like for example, today I know that Puchong Church, the aircon is really cold, so I wear my jacket, right? It's, it's a deliberate putting on of jacket. How many of you here, in the, in the, you know, even online or here in the, in the auditorium, you feel like, huh? How come I've got clothes? Huh? Anyone? Yeah, how come I put this colour on? Huh? Right? Probably this morning, some of us, we look at our wardrobe, three wardrobes, and we're like, ah oh, I've got nothing to wear. Right? But it's a deliberate act. It's a deliberate act to put on something. Now, the second thought is this. Now, when Paul wrote put on, the the grammar he used, the tense he used, right, is that you have to do it now. Do it once and for all. Put it on now. Don't wait. Put it on now. It's an imperative. You have to put on these things now. And lastly, he says the thought is that exchange. Now, when you put on something, you have to take off something, correct? Right? Right? If not, then you have many layers of clothes, right? And that doesn't work. So you have to take off something to put on something. And exchange, this exchange is also an act of exchanging your identity. If you read the Bible, uh, I don't have time, but if you go back and you read the whole story of Jonathan and David, when Jonathan gave David his his robe, he was actually exchanging the identity. They said, "David, you are going to be king." So there is an exchange of identity happening. So when when Paul wrote to the Colossians, like, put on. So they understood that putting on something signifies identity. Even today, there's identity in our clothes, right? So if let's say for example, if you're in the oil and gas uh, industry, if you see someone wearing a red coverall you know that person is from Shell. If you see someone in a yellow color coverall, the person is from Petronas. If you see someone wearing a jersey, if you, if you like football, the guys maybe, right? So if you like football, if you see someone wearing a blue jersey with a lion uh, uh, emblem and you're from? You're from? You're from Chelsea. Okay, not many Chelsea fans here. Okay, never mind. If you are wearing a red and white jersey and you have a cannon at your emblem, you're from? Arsenal, pastor is like, Arsenal, top of the table. And if you are from, uh, sorry, and if you have a red jersey with a chicken, I mean with a bird (laughs) on your emblem. (laughs) It's Pastor Pastor Balan here. You're from, you're a Liverpool fan. And if you are wearing a red jersey with a red devil on your emblem, you are sad. I'm a United fan, I'm a United fan. Pastor (laughs) Pastor you don't kill me, okay? I'm a United fan. Yeah, but, but, What we wear basically shows our identity and basically Paul is saying, when you put on, you put on Christ at your work. So how many of us, we go to work and when people see us, they know that we represent Christ? Anyone? Not many hands here, right? Or you don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Right? So we have to be intentional that when Paul says that put on is an intentional act, it's an urgent act. It's not right, like, today I put on, tomorrow I put off, tomorrow today I put on, tomorrow I put off. But it's and once and for all, decide once and for all, you put on. And it's because we represent Christ at work. Now, so what what is it that he asks us to put off? Right? It's an exchange. So what, what, what is it that he asks us to put off? Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech, lying. Now all that, if you, if you look at the put-off, all these grudges on the left-hand side, it talks very much like our, either our old self or very much like our workplace. People gossip. I wanted to ask how many, how many of us enjoy gossip, but I, I, I shall not ask. Uh, anger, wrath. Wrath is like rage, right? Rage. While you're angry, then you bang table, throw things, rage. Or Melice, if probably you're like, you know, a bit more subtle, you have a bit more class, then you're like, oh, you know, show very cool, but inside, hopefully fall, 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 you fall down, fall down, you know. Um, there's malice. You hope something bad will happen to the person. But all of this happened, the seed of it is offense. Right? We get angry when there's offense. Either we are hurt or either we are, our pride is bruised. But it all starts with offense. The the seed is offense, but and that is the feeling where someone owes you. Like when somebody offends you, it's like, you owe me. Whether it's hurt or it could be, you know, slight you and then you feel offended. It's like, you owe me. Either an apology or you owe me. I, I should do it back to you. But all that on the left-hand side, Tim Keller says this so well and I'm, I'm going to quote him. He says, anger is not a sin per se, right? Anger is a given emotion from God right? But it's, it's a given emotion for us to do two things. You have the energy to do two things. One is to attack. One is to defend. So when we are angry, it's good to ask ourselves, what are we attacking and what are we defending? But most of the time is who are we attacking? Right? We attack someone rather than the issue. We attack someone. So I, I thought that was, that was a good framework. Even as I read that and I thought, yeah, that was a good framework that we can Adopt and ask ourselves whether we are attacking the issue or are we attacking the person? And then if you look on the right-hand side, you know, heart of compassion, kindness, humility, and all these are graces that you can show at work. How many of you think it's easy to show grace at work All on the right-hand side run? Easy no problem, La, Melvin. Simple. Easy. <laughs> Pastor Team, anyone else? Pastor Team is different, right? Pastor Tim, very anointed because Jesus said, Lo, I will be with you always. Yeah, so, so different anointing. How many of you think it's easy? Or how many of you think it's difficult? Difficult, hands up. If you think it's difficult, okay, I see a few hands up. How many of you don't know what I'm talking about? Okay, it's, it's difficult. Now, this Paul is not saying that you grit your teeth and then you do la. You just show kindness, you know, show sympathy. It's, it's not that. But what I, I like is this. Paul sandwiched the whole doing in the grace that we have received, right? So Paul said that you, can, you need to do all this. Put on now. But it is sandwiched between what God has given us through His grace. Now, He says this, you have been chosen. Now, I, I like to play futsal, right? So, I used to play futsal back in KK and I do not like to be, quote unquote, captain. We play with friends, but we normally have two persons and then the two person will choose their team, right? So, it's easier. So, I don't like to choose, but I like to be chosen, right? So, if I get chosen first, it means that I'm, I'm quite good, luck right? So that means they want me in in his team. But here, when God chose us, it's not because we are good. Instead, Ephesians says that when we were dead, that means dead, ah, we rot, you know. When we were smelly, when we were unable, we were stinky, we were filled with sin, God chose us. And that is the grace that God has given us. And we are chosen by God in spite of our, our weakness, in spite of all the filth that we have in our life, in spite of And then, and this is the best part about grace. Grace, not just an unmerited favor, but grace empowers. And He empowers us to be holy, right? He didn't choose us and then that's it. But grace empowers us to be holy. That through Jesus, that we can then be holy. We put on His identity and we are holy before God, justified. And every day we are sanctified, right? So we are holy, made holy, and we are deeply loved. And then Paul says, remember all this grace, then you put on, do all this. And then he end with, just as the Lord forgave you. Just as the Lord forgave you. Now, I, 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 wanna, I wanna say this, if I can put an analogy. You see grace, when we don't, when we don't show grace, when we don't show grace, it's like this, huh? when God, imagine that we are this vessel and God fills us with grace, right? Pour water inside, it will. It will overflow, right? And that's how grace overflows from our life, right? But imagine if once we have offence and we don't want to show grace, can grace fill in? No. So when Jesus said, forgive so that your Father in heaven forgives you, He's not saying that God is like tick for tack, like you don't forgive, I don't forgive you, you know? But it's more of when we don't forgive, we close our heart that we cannot receive grace anymore, right? So that's why we need to open up our taps and let God's grace, and the only way that we can give grace is when we let God fill us with grace and it overflows. Okay, let me just quickly end with this. So grace needs to be at work in our hearts before grace can be at work. I, I really love this verse because it says, you know, Paul says this in the Romans. It says, for a while, can I have the pads up? I'm just going to end with this slide, and I'll tell the story. And then I'll end. It says, for while we were still helpless, you know, helpless, while we were still unable, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Who's the ungodly? Us. And then I'll skip verse 7, I'll go to verse 8. But God demonstrated His own love towards us, in that while we were still sinners, that means while we were still enemies of God, we haven't said sorry yet. While we were still enemies of God, Christ died for us because of time I, I, I probably won't share at length but do you know that the person who hurts you at work, Christ died for them too. Christ died for them too this verse even as we receive it that wow while I was still a sinner Christ died for me it's easy to receive that part there was one, mo- one, one story in my life that that I was so frustrated about a person and then God showed me this, I died for Him too. I was like, really God? Is it? Are you sure? But God died for Him too. So it's easy to receive this, that God died for me while I was still yet sinners. But it's so hard to think that God would die for that person too. But it's true. So the analogy is this, if I owe Pastor Tim a billion USD, and Pastor Tim, yes, yes. If I owe Pastor Tim a million USD, I will probably never be able to pay him in my lifetime. Right? And if Pastor Stephen also owes him a billion USD, both of us owes him a billion USD, and out of his goodness of his heart, and out of a big bank account, he says, no problem, I pay for you guys. And that's what Christ did for us. He paid. It's not that offence, it's not important. Like, it's, no offence is important, but it is important. The offence is important, but Christ paid it. Imagine Pastor said, I write off your debt. One billion USD, no problem. I, I pay on your behalf. And if Pastor Stephen were to owe me 20 cents, who am I to tell Pastor Stephen, you pay me that 20 cents when, when Pastor Tim has already forgiven my one billion USD? What's 20 cents? Likewise, when we go to work and we are offended, and the only way we can show grace at work is when we realise that God has first forgiven us much. What is that 20 cents that my colleague or my boss owes me? And it's not to say that the offence is not real. The offence is real. But you pay. You write off the debt, put on grace because time has catch up on me I I will will probably not share the story but I just want to just have this moment um, where we just can we just close our eyes and just bow our heads even as we pray Um, Lord we just want to thank you for your grace your love that you have first shown us that while we were still sinners while we were still far away from you while we were undeserving while we were dead you died for us and you called us by name and you made us holy and you call us your beloved. So Lord, even as we receive your grace in our hearts, Lord, remind us daily of your grace and fill our hearts daily with your grace that it may overflow in our hearts to the people at our workplace. And Lord, we commit all the grudges we have in our hearts and Lord, we pray that you give us grace to show grace at work. Put grace in our hearts and let the grace of Jesus to work in our hearts that grace may be at work, at the workplace. So Lord, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. God bless you.